Welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. I am here today with Greg Jewett. How are you doing? Uh, I am well, although I know you're familiar with this side of the uh, country here. I just dug out of uh, about 15 inches of snow the last two days down here in Syracuse. I'm not too far away from you. I'm from, I'm in, I'm in yep. Toronto or Toronto area. So, but the thing is we didn't get a lot of snow, but I heard there's a, I heard you guys got whacked with snow. Mm-hmm. We expect it, but it's still, it piled up pretty fast. Well, hopefully spring comes and baseball comes soon because um, I want it to come soon. Yeah, I am in total agreement. It's much, world's a much better place when I can see the green grass on the TV when spring training games. Keeps my mind off of the, the snow. I can't wait, but it was, today's actually a perfect day for, for you, Greg, to come on this podcast because I told you, like, you're the guy for closers that I want to talk to. And we haven't, we haven't done a closer podcast. And um, closers, like, they're not, they're not a lot of fun to, for me to, to draft. Like, it's sort of like you have to get them out of the way. Um, they're not, they're, I don't know. I, that's just the way I feel about them. But it's a, it's a necessary evil. I don't, know, I don't know how you feel. Uh, it's, it's just funny because um, years ago when fan rag was still going, I kind of got a little niche with closers and then, uh, Al Melchior and I worked for two years together at Fangraphs doing the bullpen reports. Um, and then last year when the money crunch hit, um, we, we weren't retained by Fangraphs. So that's what kind of spawned uh, Coffee and Closers. And I've been doing my own charts here since 2018. So just kind of, I did the, my own charts just to make when I wrote the bullpen report easier on Fangraphs. So I wasn't like scrambling to figure out who the next guy might be or what was going on. Um, and in season with those closer charts, I usually recap what happened the night before every day uh, below each league in those columns. And that just, again, it just keeps me sharp. So uh, I'm trying to read and, you know, Jeff Zimmerman had the great concept of mining the news and it just got me to think, and I need to do the same stuff. So I've been reading uh, about every two days I go through MLB.com and the athletic and go through each team and just see if there's any tangible closer information uh, in there. And then I've been using that in coffee and closers. That's awesome. So yeah, like, and honestly, like I just, I've just been Googling people because all the information is so readily available, like on Twitter, everyone, everyone has the same information. So in order to get that leg up, you got to take the extra effort to like mine the news like Jeff and like you were doing. Uh, do you want to, do you want to let everyone know what the, what the website um, address is for that and where, you, where they can find you? Uh, well, on the old Twitter machine, it's at G-J-E-W-E-T-T-9. Uh, that was an ode to Greg Nettles when I was uh, growing up. Number nine was his number, so I stayed with it all those years. Um, yeah, Coffee and Closers is on Substack. It's, uh, it's free signups. However, uh, there could be an announcement with that coming soon, but I'm not allowed to talk about it as of yet. But um, that, that might be getting an expanded audience soon, which is really cool. And then... Um, I also do a lot of work for Fantasy Alarm. Most of it's behind the paywall, which is tough because I love to share the information. But um, yeah, that's uh, lots of, this is my busy time of year. Uh, last year during a pandemic, when I met my girlfriend, life was uh, a lot slower. Uh, I told her, I'm like, it's not usually this much downtime. So now she has a better idea. She's uh, giving me the back cave in her house. So I just go in the back room and, and do my work all day. That's awesome. So coffee and closers, how did that, how do you, how do you come up with that? Like the name? I was just looking for something catchy. And, you know, usually when I was going through all the, the closer stuff, it was, I'm, I'm up at being a phys ed teacher and a hockey dad, I'm up at early in the morning. So 
Uh, I would usually get up at six, go through what happened the night before. If I didn't see it on TV, going through the box scores, figuring out what might've happened, read any applicable things. If a, if a closer blew up and then I would do my write-ups and then I'd be making my pot of coffee and it all just kind of blended together. So yeah, I've been, I've been, I, I use, I use it and I'm, I'm relying, I've relied on it before and I think it's great. I think you, you do um, probably the most in-depth closer analysis that I, that I, that I, that I seen. You're actually listing close, like relievers that I hadn't even heard about. Or that I, that I well, and that's what we have to do. I mean, it's, it's such a, it's such a volatile position that, it, and, and now with all these closer by committees and th- it's, it's so hard to identify who the next man up is sometimes, but you, you have to be ready in those. I, I personally hate the leagues. We can go at a guy the moment you see a news thing hit, but um, you know, you have to have that available because people, people want to know instantly. It's like, Hey, who is it? This guy's hurt. Who do I get? You know, you don't want to be sitting there yourself Googling going, well, maybe this guy. Oh, for sure. Uh, Like uh, somebody was already asking me about having Pete Fairbanks listed ahead of Nick Anderson and, and, I, right now, anything with the Rays is guesswork. 12 guys recorded saves last year for the Rays. Fairbanks wasn't one of them, but then he let them in postseason. So, you know, Anderson struggled down the stretch. He admitted it was tough last season, but they use him as the stopper. He's just, if they need him in the seventh, the eighth, whenever, you know, he, he's just not the sole proprietary closer as much as we want him to be. And we're going to see the same thing happen in Minnesota now. Yeah, it's gonna. It's really been an evolving like landscape of how their closes are being used. So it's getting it's getting more and more difficult. And it's it's one of the it's one of the most difficult positions, probably the most difficult position to to draft. So if you can get an edge on it like you do, you can really make some serious um, profits uh, from that. I think. Um, and I got a couple. I got a couple questions for you. And I think we're gonna go through your. Let's get. We're gonna go through the closer chart. Chart. I'm, I'm gonna try to limit my questions because I probably have questions on every team. Um, that's all right i'm actually like before we started recording i told you i'm in a draft right now i'm in a, I'm in a 150 draft champions league i'm on the clock it's pick and we're, we'll do this live to air here um it's pick <laughs> 460 something and i got 30 minutes left 464 so we're around 31 and um i'll tell you i'll tell you how we started i went out of my comfort zone i don't usually take closers early in these leagues but i did in this particular situation and I went with um, Hendricks and Chapman in round four and five. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. So that's a, that's a good double tap in this thing. Now, do you have Britain as a backup or is somebody else scoop him up? No, I did not get Britain as a backup. I, uh, he is, I'm almost certain that he's gone. Yeah. Okay. He, he's been, he's been taken. And then the back, the thing with Hendricks is the backup so hard to predict there. Um, there's so many people that's, and then and we'll get into that. But I think one of the things I look for is, how easy it is to obtain a backup and how clear that backup is. So I don't have the backup mm-hmm. there either, but I am feeling like closer was my strong suit. So I ignored it for a while. And then I ended up mm-hmm. getting um, TJ Anton um, as um, okay. He, I don't, I don't see him as a closer. I see him more, I, I, more of his value is as a starter for me. Um, and then I took Jake Diekman um, on the, okay. So though, like really in, in a draft champion for this 30 teams, like I don't really, like, if Chapman and Hendricks stay healthy and they do what they need to do, I really don't need anything more. Um, Correct. Yeah. From, from them. So now these are all um, like, I guess, upside plays um, with Hanton and Diekman. And then uh, have I gotten anything else since then? No. So I don't have anything else. So now we're getting into the later round. So I might want to, I'm, I'm thinking um, I might want to secure that relief pitcher position. 
And I'll tell you what's left. And, and a lot of these pictures that are left over aren't typically left over. So, um, and I have, I have two picks in the next four picks. I'm kind of, I'm on the turn. So like, I might want to double tap, like you can just sort of get like them, like as I was saying, like the monopoly board of the closers, like get all the, get all the relievers on the one team, because I find in these draft champions, you got enough roster spots to do that. So mm-hmm. we've got Tanner Rainey and Daniel Hudson available. They're the, they're the highest um, in terms of ADP that are available. And then we also got Brian Garcia and Greg Soto. Both of those guys are available. Um, so I'd steer clear the Tigers. Yeah, they've been they've been getting saved recently, but um, Stomont's right, available still. Who's that? Josh Stomont on the Royals. Okay. Pete Fairbanks is also there on the on the Rays. Interesting. Well, he will uh, he'll get a few. Obviously, again, like I said, he he had three in the postseason for the Rays, led the team in that category at that point. Um, you know, we all, we just know that the Rays are just so fluid with those numbers. So that the hard part is like the week you'll put him in, he'll get nothing. And then the week you bench him, he might get two or three. Um, I, I, I think you're in pretty good standing. Um, I would almost think of maybe guys like, uh, and you probably don't have to do it at this moment, although you're probably getting close to the Garrett crochet range. Um, I think, got, I think he got taken actually. Okay. I'll say, well, that makes sense. Oh, no, he's no, 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 he's there. He's there. Cause he's a, he's probably going to be, um, if we remember Chris sale, when he was cutting his teeth in the majors, the white Sox, everything I'm reading saying they're planning on him opening the season with the team. So he's going to oh, right. get stretched out. Um, so he might start out as like a seventh inning guy, but then they might morph him into a fifth and sixth inning guy. And then if he swoops in and gets a couple of vulture wins or sometime he might get like a three inning save. But what I think is you're, you're looking at a kid that can give you hater, like results back when he started with multi innings and strikeouts and protect your ratios and, and give you, you know, so if you have a guy out, he can fill in if he pitches three innings and strikes out six or seven, then you've had a nice week. Are you, are you saying that because, because I have Hendricks, because honestly, I'll tell you, I, I'm glad I'm talking to you because I, for, I kind of forgot about him because I'm, I'm in four drafts right now at the same time. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, and I, you I, don't I necess- of, it's hard to keep track of it. And I thought, I thought crochet got taken already, but he got taken in yeah. a different draft. So gotcha. I'm going to take him. No, that, to me at that point, that makes sense. No, I'm going to take him because, because I have Hendricks. Do you, do you see him as a handcuff at all for, for Hendricks? I don't necessarily see him as the handcuff, but if something did happen to Hendricks, there's no, there's not a better octane arm in that. I mean, Bummer's a, a good pitcher, but he's Britton-esque where he relies on his sinker and ground balls. He, you know, he pitches the contact at times. You need a guy who just misses bats and high leverage is crochet. I mean, that's, Bummer. I just think he's going to have a very nice season. Bummer Although I, I figured as much, but yeah, I, I figured as much, but uh, at crochet's price point, again, like I said, you get a multitude of strikeouts in a week when you need to flip them into a, a draft champions. He makes so much sense. Right on. So in general, when you're looking at the relief pitchers, what key indicators do you look for? Uh, and I guess what you would look for in terms of when you would um, feel a change is coming. Uh, usually the managers will let you know what's happening, but uh, I, I'm looking for, I prefer guys that can generate strikeouts. So you're looking at swinging strike percentage, uh, the whiff put away K percentages on stack cast uh, Brooks brothers will break down the swinging strike percentages by pitch, uh, which is always useful. Um, they use a different system than StatCast does. So sometimes the pitches aren't labeled the same, but you get the gist of what's happening. 
Um, and you want guys who reduce contact, you know, it's hard to get a guy that has his D contact in the 90%, you know, you want him as your closer. I don't think so. Cause that means when it's in the strike zone, guys are hitting it. So, you know, guys depress contact that can get strikeouts when they're needed, uh, and, and are usually filthy. I mean, that's, that's what we're looking for in those high leverage moments. You know, I, I had trepidation about Alex Colomay coming into this season, um, his Sierra last year and other indicators made him a little too risky for me. And now him going to Minnesota definitely means I'll probably not have him anywhere. Um, but you know, I just use those as ways. So like you, you start with the closer chart and you look at uh, Baltimore, for instance, a lot of people are going to take Harvey just based on, cause he was supposed to open the last year as the closer. Um, I would probably zig and take Tanner Scott thinking he might get more saves as the, as at the end of the season. So you know, I think Tanner has better stuff and he's had better health history than, than Hunter Harvey. So I use that stuff when you mine it. And you also have to know there's going to be so many closers traded at the, or high leverage pitchers traded at the deadline this year. Yeah. You've already seen the chasm of teams that are in it and the teams that are not. And, and that's going to make a difference. So if you take Richard Rodriguez, you better know that by midseason, if he's, you know, if he's not traded, he's about to be. Really? So a guy like that. I, I haven't looked into the details of his contract, but I, I would have thought that he that he has like um, a lot of years left under team control, so they, they might want to keep him. Or is that not the case? Uh, nah, it's funny. Two times on the athletic, uh, two separate beat writers have both written uh, Beer Tafel and uh, Adam Barry both suggested that Rodriguez, if he's not moved before the season, will be in it. So let's see. Who do you have? You have Chris Stratton there as well. It could be Kyle Crick as well. I want to see him pitch first health-wise. Uh, Blake Cedarlin's the the one in Dynasty or, you know, the key performance that you're keeping tabs on. He's called, He was called Baby Thor last year in the spring. He's got, a again, high-velocity thing. Another guy who has to work on his uh, command a little bit. But um, he's somebody, if he pitches well in the spring and does well early in the season, that they would groom for that role and then, um, you know, but not in, re, not in these redraft leagues, you wouldn't be interested in, in Cedarland? Not not in a draft, no. I would only take him if I took Rodriguez and I took him in like round 45 in a, in a draft champion, so I had to back up just in case he was dealt. Okay, I'll give you a guy that I have on my list that, that you don't have on your list, and maybe tell me what you think about him on the, on the Pirates. Michael Feliz. Um, he was, um, he had a decent, you're, you're laughing at me. He had a decent year in 2000. No, I'm not laughing at you. He's just pleased the tease. Every time you buy into him, he, he implodes. And okay, I, well, again, he's year, got, he's another arm that I like, but. Well, okay. Well, last year he didn't really have much of a chance, right? He was hurt for most of last year. So mm -hmm. throw that out the year before that in 2019, he was kind of shitty to start the year, but then at, like the second half of the season, he was like amazing. But uh, without it, yeah. without any save opportunities, but he was still really good. And he, he, Correct. So he's a guy I always have in the back of my mind. He's like, I think I've taken mm -hmm. him at like round 50 in some of these drafts. At, at that point, that's fine. That's a great dart throw. Yeah. So you, you're just, you just think he's just a tease. You, you just, you're, you're not As gonna, of now, I, I would love for him to prove me wrong, but uh, you know, I, I've been writing about him since he was back. Yeah, in he's like a late round pick, like late, late. Round yes. Pick. All right. All right. Um, before we get into like the details of some of these teams, uh, I don't know how many we'll, I don't know how many um, we'll get into in terms of how much time we want to spend. But in terms of um, fifteen and twelve team leagues, that, this is something that I'm interested in because I'm playing both right now. How like how does your strategy change? Um, because you, you were telling me you play twelve some twelve team leagues and you're also getting into fifteens. How does it change for you? 
Well, it, I think it all starts with, is there, is there fob? So like when you're doing a draft champions, when there's no pickups or trades or anything else, it really changes. That's why you Perhaps see the question. There's, there's okay. Yeah, that's that's why you see the starting pitching and the relievers get pushed up so much in that format because you want predictability. Um, you don't want to be you don't want to be spending five draft picks trying to canvas a bullpen. Um, so, you know, in, in a twelve team, you need a few more saves. So you, again, you, but you have a chance to insulate it a little bit because most twelve teamers you're adding people during the season. So, um, I'm willing to take more chances and let it drift in a twelve team than I would a fifteen. Um, but if I'm in a draft champions, which you, your double tap with, with Hendricks and Chapman makes absolute perfect sense this year, because you know, you're with health, you've got 60 saves in the bank. So that means you're only in worst case scenario, you're trying to find 10 or 15 to be in the 80th percentile. Now those closers are usually pretty valuable. Um, obviously, um, in your typical years, do you feel like Hendricks, Hendricks, for example, he seems like he's my top closer on the board right now. I don't know about you, but mm -hmm. he's like, he, he seems like he might be even more valuable this year because of the distribution of saves on an overall basis. Like, like I'm thinking, okay, I got the Chicago White Sox closer. He's going to get me X number of saves and that's going to be very safe and, and he should be good if all goes to plan. Um, but other, like on the other end of the spectrum, you might be thinking, well, like I don't want to spend that much capital drafting him and I can, um, just piece together a bullpen later um, because someone's got to get saves, but maybe it's just so, um, so diluted that um, it may like these, these top end closers might be worth even more this year. Yes. And I think, you know, I, I did an article for fantasy alarm that published yesterday about closer by committee. And, and I was going through all of these situations and this was before the column signing I had 18 of the 30 teams listed that, that could have more than one closer in, in their, in their high leverage rotation this year. I mean, let's think about that 18 out of 30. Uh, and then today, you know, we had Saria sign with the diamondbacks, you know, nobody was excited about Kinsler signing with the Marlins last year, but guess what? He finished in the top three in saves. Mm -hmm. Was it pretty? Will it, will it happen again? No, but for one season, as long as you know a guy is opening with the role that, that gives him a leg up over somebody else and, and that's that might not be a top end reliever that has a shared role. So it's like if you're just talking save volume, do you want Saria this year or Taylor Rogers? You know, it feels it feels dirty to say Saria, but <laughs> if, if he's got a hundred percent share or at least a ninety percent share of it. As of right now, I would say Colomay and Rogers is probably, I estimate a 60 to 40 split, but who knows? And then you still got Duffy and like, other people in that bullpen. Well, first of all, Greg, I don't mind getting dirty if it's going to earn you some money. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, again, everyone last year was bitching. Oh, I feel so dirty taking Kinsler. You didn't hear them bitching when they had all those saves racked up. Hey, I'm a whore for saves, Greg. Most of us are in these things. So that's what, you know, that's, that's why the writing about the closers and the columns, it gets the hits, you know, people. To your, to your point though, about Duffy, um, I, I said this to someone today. I said that oftentimes when like a closer, when, when a, like a new closer comes in like Colomay, the, um, the skill of the number three trumps the experience of the number two. So I'm thinking like when Colomay's in Minnesota, I'm like at this, now that Colomay's in there, he's the king, so to speak. 
I almost say I almost value Duffy more than Rogers because Duffy was better than Rogers last year. So I almost consider mm-hmm. Duffy the number two at this point. What do you think about like that concept? It's possible. Uh, it's pretty much the the Twins before the season were stating that Rogers was going to be in the ninth inning if it's if there's like two lefties coming up the bat in that inning. If things set up where they need him in the ninth, that's where he's going to be. But otherwise, they wanted him to be able. To, to match up with the other team's best best left-handed hitters when they when they need them, not exclusively in the ninth, which is part of the reason why they're they're continuing to backfill that bullpen. Right on. So let's take a look at some of these um, some of these uh, charts you have. Some of the some of the some of the teams you have in your um, closer chart. All that blue, it's murder. For those that are listening, when I have it highlighted in blue, that means shared roles. So you already have yeah, you already have Soria back in there. And uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I'm kind of anal with this thing. I, my poor girlfriend today, we were <laughs> sitting down about ready to eat Cajun shrimp, have a nice healthy meal. And then I'm over there tickety tapping because I was adding Saria and Colomay to the list, you know, at 530. I'm like, sorry, hon. She doesn't understand what I'm doing, but she's very patient and supportive. So I, I give her a ton of credit. Like I spent a lot of time, like I, I hear what you're saying. I spent a lot of time, obviously, with fantasy baseball. And I just, I just say I'm doing work. <laughs> so I'm always doing work in my office. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like, what's it, at, this, at this point, what's the difference? Um, <laughs> um, so the, the Diamondbacks, um, you got some interesting guys there, Duplantier and uh, Bukaskis. Yeah. Um, Bukaskis is an interesting dude. You know, that's somebody I think that could take over later in the year. I mean, again, Stree is on a one-year deal. So Arizona can do the old churn and burn. They can use until the trade deadline, build up his value and then flip them. I mean, that's teams are realizing you can give these guys one year deals and then just trade them as long. If you're in a rebuild, I mean, and we don't see Arizona finishing ahead of San Diego or Los Angeles and then there's not expanded playoffs, then they're not in. So um, Duplantier is only there because his, he has two really good pitches and he can't find that third one yet as a starter and we know a lot of failed starters transition to the bullpen. So between health issues and his pitch limitations, if they ever decide to scrap him as a starter and put him in the bullpen, I think he would be a tremendous, I think he would do very well in that role. That's, that's why I read one of the beat writers saying that Duplantis might get looked at as a, rev- a reliever eventually. So that's why I put him in that little stealth thing as like, hey, we're going to see what happens with him. That's interesting because he was a top 100 prospect at one point. I had him like rostered in a bunch of dynasty leagues and just like luster, the luster has faded on him. But that's interesting that you bring that up. Now the Braves, mm-hmm. Braves, that's um, like the Diamondbacks, like back to them just for a second. I don't mind targeting them. I think that's, that's going to be, I think they're a nice value in terms of their ADP. That's a good, that's a good little uh, pocket of closers to, to take a shot on. I don't know how much Soria is going to um, rise up boards, but I was in two drafts like, wow, the news broke and he got, Taking the pick before me in the in the five hundred so in both of those drafts, I got sniped on. So that was yep. That put me on ten. I know. I know. You hear people complain. They're like, "Why do people take the full four hours at the end of these things?" That's exactly why. Because when something like that breaks, and if you're on the clock, you have that window, so you're taking advantage of it. Yeah. I know it's frustrating as hell, but there's there's strategy to it. Yeah, you gotta get dirty sometimes, like we're saying. Um, Braves, Braves is a situation I kind of didn't. I kind of don't want to dip my feet into because it seems like really murky with Will Smith, Chris Martin you have there. Um, and like, I'm worried they're going to sign somebody else actually. Well, particularly one, one guy. Yeah. As the, as the, as the market continues to drift, I mean, at some point Melanson might just take a, a, 
a team friendly deal to come back. And I'm sure that's exactly who you're thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a tough one to, that's a tough one to get around. Chris Martin's like older. I think he's like 34 and uh, not, not really much um, history closing. He has good stuff and people like him, but he has had some back issues in the past and other things that could inhibit him. But yeah, that that's a murky one. I mean, you would like to think Smith would take that over because they do have a ton of, they have enough lefties in that bullpen with Minter. Um, and um, the name's escaping me. The, the kid who did well in the bullpen last year for him Matthew. with the multi-inning role. Matthew. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, they can actually entrench him, but who knows what they're really going to decide to do. But yes, uh, Melanson lurking just seems like that, that could definitely happen. Right. Now I'm, I'm back on the clock now actually. And um, this is relevant to me, the Chicago Cubs, because Rowan Wick is available to me at this point. Now talk about the Cubs, because it seems like Kimbrell really checks all the boxes for, to be like that guy. Right. Uh, but mm-hmm. however, I don't see, I really can't picture him not getting traded this year. Like why, would, Correct. why wouldn't the Cubs just eat like 80% of a salary and get something for him? Because they're obviously just like not trying to win. Well, he's in a walk here, so he won't have to eat too much. So same thing. If he, if he starts out hot, they're, they're going to, they're going to trade high They're You know, they're not going to, I don't think they'll let it linger. Although that division, even with Arenado getting there, I still think teams think they can compete. So a lot of that's really going to depend on the NL Central. There's still some pieces to go. It's been, it's been the slowest developing, but now all of a sudden everything's happening in that division. So all those teams are kind of waking up and saying, with the exception of the Reds, and saying, hey, what are we going to do to maybe stay in this thing? So um, Kimbrough does have clauses in there, but he won't get to enough of the games ended to, to kick any of them in. So um, if the Cubs do decide to sell, then Kimbrough is definitely going to head out of town. But they need him to pick up where he left off um, the, the last couple of weeks of the season last year and, and carry that over so they can – trade him for a couple of prospects that they need. Right. Um, do you know if he has a, he doesn't have no, no trade clause or anything like that? Not to my knowledge. Um, I, and I was I, looking I, into his thing, but I, I don't recall seeing a no trade in there. I just knew that he had a, had an escalator based on games, games finished, but you know, with last year being a shortened season, he has no chance of uh, accomplishing that. Oh, really? That's, uh, that's interesting. So there won't be like an option that kicks in. So, what do you think yeah. about Wick? Because I, I don't like he's sort of like he's sort of valuable because of what we just talked about, and because there's really no one else other than him. Even though, and he's sort of like okay, but yeah, some of the beat writers like Jason Adam. That's why he's listed there. But you know, yeah, that's yeah. You know, it's, it's, I would probably think Wick would take over, but you know, it it was that Jeff, was just a goofy Jeff pen taking it last year. So Wick, he's, I think Wick had he, four saves last year, so it was sort of a mix and match. Yeah, Jeff Jeffress has some sort of hold. Wherever he ends up, he ends up with like a handful of saves. I don't know how he does it, but he does. Yeah, sneaky, sneaky little guy. All right, the Reds. The Reds are one of my favorite teams to talk about because there are just so many options there, and it's so unknown. So um, what do you think about the Reds? Um, I've been trying to grab all of them sometimes, and it's hard to get them all. <laughs> well, I, I think the big three – if you're going to canvas that bullpen, you're going to take Sims, Garrett, and Antone. Like you mentioned earlier, the nice thing about Antone is if he ends up in the rotation, then you still get some value out of him. Um, Garrett wants the role. Um, Sims has the devastating sliders, so we'll we'll see. 
Um, adding Doolittle probably helps Garrett a little bit because now you have another lefty in the bend. So, um, you know, but you don't, you don't know if they gave Doolittle any side thing saying, Hey, we'll get you a few saves. I mean, it, it just, we, we can't forget Derek Johnson was the pitching coach in Milwaukee when it was Knable, Jeffress and Hader all getting 15 saves each in the same season. Johnson Johnson doesn't care who who the closer is. That's part of the reason Iglesias went because he spoke up when they were trying to use him outside of the ninth inning last year. Iglesias was like, I, I, I'm the closer. I want to be the closer. I don't want to be pitching in the eighth inning of the most high leverage moment. I mean, you know, I mean, I know part of it was the salary, but I don't think Iglesias fit into what Johnson what Johnson prefers. I think that's going to be fluid all season long. To me, if Antone doesn't make it as a starter, I think he would have the best staying power as the closer of that group. But that's just my opinion. He, um, yeah, he's probably the best pitcher overall, Anton. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I, I listened to an interview um, uh, from Bell, their manager, uh, back in October, and I wanted to. I, I was interested in playing time for all of all the Reds. And one thing, one, he was going through the, the closer situation. He mentioned Garrett and, um, and Sims, but one guy that he also mentioned that, that has worked really hard is Sal Romano. Mm-hmm. He mentioned he, his name, his name fell into the fold as well. He hasn't been as good. And I think he like, was a starter at, at points too, but yes, he was. Yeah. But um, the, the manager is um, mentioning his name in like, as a, as a potential closer as well. I haven't drafted him because it was just, you can't, there's only so many. No, yeah. There's only so many reds you can draft, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, he's someone else. And then another guy. Um, do you have? I don't know if you have him listed here. Is um, Ryan Hendricks? Um, he is a rookie. I don't think he has any major league experience yet. But um, he he's not on here. But he he he's also like he'd be like a dark horse for for me, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you love that stuff. Cause I know you're doing your research. So it's, again, I, I only have so many things. Like I, I keep trying to shrink down that, that board, but then people like to see the multi and last year, the multi inning role was huge with all the tandem pitchers. And I think this season, whatever iteration they give us as far as a total amount of games, when it all shakes out, I think you're going to see more of that teams are going to be doing bullpen days instead of a of six starter there's going to be all kinds of crazy stuff this year. And I know the pitchers are lining up because they don't want to have spring training delayed because they're building up. They're, they're about ready to go. And if they have to delay that process, you know, that's going to, it could result in the arm injuries like we had in 2020. Uh, it, it was just attrition last year. Right. I'll, and then as you move on to the Rockies, um, I'll give you another guy that, it, like again, diving too deep, but I actually did read something on, on MLB.com. A guy, Ben Bowden, um, he's a rookie. I think he played Double A for the Rockies, and he like it's, it's you don't really see. I, well, I don't really see um, often rookies that are just like this is this guy is going to be a closer. It often comes time to like you're, they sort of fall into that role um, a lot of the time. But this guy's like like this guy's groomed to be a closer. He throws bullets. He's, he's good. The only reason he didn't get called up last year was because he had a back injury. They were saying, so there's not really like, I know Daniel Bard was good last year. What do you think about that situation in Colorado? Well, it's funny. Cause 
sometimes uh, I, I, I wrote into the mailbag to Patrick Saunders and I was like, who do you see as the ninth inning option this year? And he actually answered it. I was like, cool. So huh. he, he said he sees Bard starting with it, even though Oberg's probably more suited for the role, but the, the Rockies are still a little bit worried about overusing Oberg. You know, he can't really do, He's going to have a hard time doing back-to-backs, three out of four games, things of that nature that you need a closer to do sometimes. So, um, yeah, that he, he said Bard. Um, Sheffield's on there as the, as the upset because he was a rule five pick from the Dodgers. He's got a big fastball. Um, so I had him slotted ahead of the kid that you talked about. But, you know, as the season progresses, uh, those lines always start moving. So you, you can see if they deal givens Sheffield moves up and then your guy might hop into the upside future. So that's the beauty of closers. It's, it's just next man up all the time. Marlins, um, they, they signed Bass again, another guy that got signed while drafts were going on. So if you, if you're on the clock, that was another nice little gem you got, but Holloway's an interesting guy. I, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I like to dig deep in and that's a guy that I heard, um, yep. started, he throws hard. I think he comes, he's, he's had a Tommy John, I believe. And, um, He's yeah, he's an interesting guy. Yes, uh, I, you know, Bass is, I think, a nice reliever for a team like that to have because he can kind of do anything like he did for the Blue Jays last year. You want me to pitch the eighth? I'll pitch the eighth. You need a, you need me to do the ninth? I'll pitch the ninth. He, he just kind of takes the ball and does his job without, you know, demanding being in a certain role. Uh, Garcia can be traded this year, so um, he's in an expiring contract. So I think they could possibly deal him. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this, this could be where Bass is there to groom Holloway to take over. Maybe not this season, but by, by next season, that could be possible. But Mish said that they're going to add another reliever, but I just don't know to what level. I don't think with, with all these guys going off the board, I, unless it was like Kinsler coming back on a team friendly contract, I, I really don't see them splurging. So I'll tell you something, Anthony Bass. He was with the Jays last year. I'm from Toronto. But that, that's not really part. That's not, that's irrelevant to my story. My wife, she couldn't tell you who Ronald Acuna is, but she knows who Anthony Bass is. You know is why? that from you being angry? No, no, no. It's oh, just, okay. No, no, I never get angry. Um, but it's because his wife is like on like the Desperate Housewives, or not the Desperate Housewives, like the, the Real Housewives or some one of those shows. <laughs> <laughs> one of those stupid shows it's always on my tv so that she knows she knows who anthony bass is but she has no clue who ronald lacuna is she couldn't tell you she couldn't pick uh, fernando tatis out of a lineup but she knows anthony bass she's like that's anthony? awesome yeah that that's yeah that is awesome anyways it's a nice little <laughs> tidbit for you for you now that you uh, get an insight into my marriage um josh hater do you think he can get traded Robert Murray writes about it like every day. Um, I don't know. I, again, this division is so wide open. I, I really think the first couple of months really might determine what happens. I know Milwaukee is looking to rebuild their farm system, and there's no better way to do it than, than trading Hater. But I don't think the Yankees will be give, willing to give up the level of prospects that Milwaukee needs. Um, I don't know. I if there was a team that would possibly splurge on him, I could see it being the Dodgers. Really? They, they have the farm system to do it. That'd be crazy. Uh, it's funny because a couple of beat writers aren't sold on Kenley Jansen. One, I think Gonzalez did a whole thing about why Jansen shouldn't be the closer this year. Um, he's like, he's lost the role the last couple of postseasons. Mm-hmm. You know, there was like Urias got the last out, things of that nature. Um, yeah, I, 
Yeah. If push comes to shove and, and the Padres push the Dodgers early, I could see them, the Dodgers have the farm system to go get them. And so would the Padres. So, you know, I, I think it's a perfect storm for Milwaukee. I would hold them. And then if you do decide you're going to deal them, put those two teams in a bidding war and then, and then reap in the prospects because they're going to dish them out to get them if, if they're that committed to this season. Question for you. If you're in a draft right now and you're on the clock and, and you had to pick between two players, Craig Kimbrell and Kenley Jansen, who would you pick? Uh, Kimbrell. Me too. I wonder, I, I wonder what the ADP differential is between those two guys. Uh, I, I looked at it the other day because I was going to update a, update a column on that because I try and see what's happening because I really wanted to look at like the last two weeks and see what the effects recently were on Yates and a few others. Kimbrel's so 97. Jansen is 125. So they're going that, – that's a huge difference. Um, mm-hmm. And both of us said that we would have taken Kimball. It's funny when you, it's funny when you think about it, when you, when you've had, when you're having this conversation and you're, and you're out of the draft and then when you're in the draft and you're looking at ADP and you're looking at the draft board, <laughs> it's, a completely, it's a completely different story because I've drafted Jansen before. Well, before, yeah. And I thinking, back to it, I'm like, what am I thinking? Here's the thing. It's, it's better to be out a year too early than a year too late. Yep. I agree. That's why I'm not drafting Max Scherzer or Zach Greinke. You know, it's going to be such such arbitrage and drafts this year, depending on if a board goes starting pitcher heavy or, you know, stolen bases get, get wonky. I mean, it's, you're going to be trying, everyone's going to be a fireman trying to put out three fires, you know, at a time I'm trying to build a roster to win. I'm trying. Yeah. Do I get a good catcher? Do I get the reliever here? There's so many things you have to, to face. I mean, that's, that's why I wait a couple of more, probably like, like I said, I might, dip my toes into a DC this weekend. Cause I, I just, I need to get my head straight. Hey, if this happens, can I go there? Like I heard you guys talking uh, about, you know, um, Starlin Castro on the podcast I was listening to this morning with, with you, George and drew. And, you know, I had just wrote up uh, Starlin as a, a late round sleeper for fantasy alarm was I'm like, no one's talking about this guy. He could hit near the heart of the order. Mm-hmm. on a pretty good, on a pretty good team. And it's like, nobody wants to touch them. So, okay. If you're going to give me, you know, a free second baseman at that point, and now you're going to see Wong, his ADP is going to shoot up because oh, people are craving stolen bases. And now he's going to Milwaukee uh, on a ballpark that favors lefties. So, you know, all these things change so fast. That's why when you look at the ADP, you have to make sure you really hone in on NFBC. Look at the last week or look at the last 14 days. Don't just, don't just take the whole thing because it doesn't tell the whole story. Oh, for sure. Um, one other bullpen that's a mess is Philadelphia. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that it's a mess. Well, honestly, I, I, I like Bradley to be the guy, and it looks like you do as well. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of people think Naris is. Yeah, I get it, but Naris lost the role last year to Workman, and then he kind of got it back, and I, I don't know how much Girardi trusts him. If Bradley has a good spring – um, and his velocity ticks back up to where it was in 2019. I, I have a hard time seeing them doing that. You know, Naris isn't bad, but he always struggles in his own division because they know what he's going to do. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think Bradley could do a little better uh, in, in that role for me. That That's just me. Naris could end up being the better one, but I, I'll be wrong with Bradley on that hill. Right on. Um, 
what about Washington? I guess the same, same type of thing. Well, hand, people are afraid of hand. People um, think he's, he's hurt. His velocity has dipped. What do you think about that Washington situation? You know, it's funny. I, I looked at his velocity by game last year and it was like an EKG. It, it was 93, 91. There was no, I don't know. I think hands good enough at what he does to be okay. I don't think you're going to see a zero seven, seven whip again. Um, you know, but he led the league in saves last year. He, he wants to, he likes the ninth inning. Um, all of my Tannerini would be shares are crying right now. Cause I thought he was going to be a breakout reliever this year. I've been hyping him since uh, back last August, you know, I, you could see it coming. Um, and Brick Garoli, before she stopped being the beat writer for the Nationals, called him the closer of the future. Um, and we knew Daniel Hudson prefers to be in a setup role. He said that in the World Series to his manager. So um, I, I think Rainey will still get a handful. Um, I'm going to do a column in a couple of weeks called 5 to 15 relievers that can get you between 5 and 15 saves that may not be the primary closer. I'm still going to put Rainey in there. Um, I'm willing to be okay. And then if something does happen with hand or the velocity is off or he does need to be shut down, I think, uh, I think Rainey can take that job and run with it. Are you afraid of um, Rainey's health at all? Because I know you had to- a little, I hear the, they shut him down as a precautionary last year because they knew they weren't going anywhere. So like, why are we going to push it? But yeah, that's something we would have to monitor, but that also comes with the position with, with the velocity and whip he puts on a baseball. Right on. So, uh, AL, what, t- what team do you think, the, what do you think, what, what's your um, most interesting team on the AL to, uh, when, you, when, you're, when you look at closers? Most interesting? What, what's, uh, what's, most, like, what's, like, what's the most, uh, um, I guess? I want to, well, I want to know what Cleveland's going to do. Um, and we, okay. we, spoke off, we spoke off air about this. Now, we all know I'm a Karinchik guy. Someone came up with a nickname, Special K. I've been running with it. I refer to him all the time by right. that. You know, he, he did the wild thing haircut. He's got the persona, the mojo, uh, huge swing strike percentage. There's some command issues. Um, but we know Cleveland's cheap and we know only one reliever is making seven digits, which is uh, Wickren. And in the most recent Q&A on MLB.com with Mandy Bell, someone asked her if Karinchak will open his closer. And she said, well, he should but don't be surprised if it's Wickren. So you, you have to put that in the back of your head. Um, Cleveland might start with him in there and, and, and use Krenchek and, and Emmanuel Clase as setup guys and just see how it goes. Do I think that'll happen? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not Terry Francona. Um, I would like Krenchek to be it, but you know he's going off the boards as a top five closer without his team saying he's our guy. Um, yeah. I've, I've taken him a couple of times and now I'm sort of uh, pumping the brakes a bit. Yeah, I, again, he, he could definitely be a top five closer. He's got the stuff. Um, we just want confirmation. We, we need to see that in the spring. And, and that's the hardest thing about spring training because I'm watching these games and my poor girlfriend's going to go through this again. So I'll be watching all the games to see. Usually the closers are working the fifth inning because that's when that's the last inning the regulars are in before the, the other guys start coming out. So, you know, as season spring training progresses, you're honing in on who's got the fifth inning. And then I'm, I'm kind of watching. So I'm, I'll be rewinding all the games on MLB.com and trying to watch them and see, and it's like, Oh, you know, so if I see Klaze in there one day, I see Wickren in there one day and I see Karinczak in there one day, I know that they're competing. So 
that that's just something we have to pay attention to. So th there's whispers. I don't think it's anything that's going to cause anybody to jump off a ledge yet, but you just have to weigh that in when you're taking him that, you know, it, it may take a month for him to get that role. Right. Now, or like, Clause A could beat him for it. Who knows? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see Clause A getting saves. I think they just want to, they want to keep his value low. I, no, I, I, I think I think Clause might project better as a guy that can get like four outs in a game. I think he's got the bigger frame, so he you might be right about him working well in a setup role, especially. So he can morph into the stopper and let Kerinchak be the closer. And again, that's what I want. I just got we just got to make sure Cleveland wants the same thing. I noticed on your chart a lot of the guys that are like the high upside guys are getting taken like as a second closer off the board for their teams. Like for example, Stalmont and um, JD Wendelkin, those are guys that are going like almost like, so like really close to um, in draft to where the, like, I guess the top closers go. Well, you see, that might be the second most intriguing one is Oakland. Um, you brought up Deekman and, and I think he will open up in a majority share of saves. Well, they, said, they said that he's going to be their closer. Most likely they're, I think they're GM mm -hmm. that, right. But um, on the athletic, they, they wrote up Birch Smith as the next in line or shared role. Um, they, they, they noted that Smith did great last year as a reliever. Oakland believes in him, and they, they really kept Wendelkin out of high leverage moments. Um, so, and to me, the, the arm I'm really keeping an eye on is Puck. Um, if Puck can't handle starting, you know, same thing, you know, you hate to keep throwing out the hater things, but you know, puck and crochet both set up in, in hater S situations. Even if puck, I, I prefer him in the bullpen personally, if he, if whether he's, you know, striking out five over two innings or closing out some games, uh, at some point, if they decide he will not be a starter, I think puck would be a dominant reliever. And, you know, the, those, those, you know, there, there's been whispers that he could take the Andrew Miller route. So we'll see what happens that, that you know, that's, that's one I'm really keeping tabs on. So um, yeah. So you can put Oakland right up there in the intrigue. And then of course we never know what's going to happen in Tampa Bay. Oh yeah. Tampa, Tampa Bay. Like I'm glad I didn't grab Fairbanks. I, I was thinking, I admit, I was thinking about it for a second, but I had a sober second thought and then did not take him. Um, it's just a mess there. Um, mm -hmm. One other thing I, I heard the Jays might be in on, um, Rosenthal so Yates like he shot up the boards but he might be he was a value and then he might have been he might be a bust in terms of what you, what you paid for him. well uh thankfully I'm happy you brought that one up too because Rob Silver sent me uh he, he tweeted at me after reading the article saying you know I, I wouldn't put Rosenthal over Yates in that hierarchy so and we know Rob is passionate about the Blue Jays and I respect him as an NFBC player I know he's not playing this year but you know, he, he's won the overall. So um, Yates has connections with Montoya going back to being in the minor leagues. He, he played for him in Durham. So I, what, what Rob was saying was they don't want to push Yates. So he, just like we were talking about before in a different situation, they're not going to push him on a lot of back to backs or three out of four nights. You know, they really finesse Ken Giles when he was pitching through an injury, if you recall, before he finally succumbed to it. Um, so I, I think you could see a similar situation. So their thought process would be if they add a Rosenthal, now you've got, you've got Romano in the seventh, then you've got 
Rosenthal in the eighth and Yates in the ninth. But if Yates can't go, you've got Rosenthal to fall back on and everybody just moves up or moves up an inning. And you still got Dolis out there too. So that, that would be a very deep and fungible bullpen. Um, so I think Yates would be the same deal. Maybe you're looking at a 70-30 or 65-35 split on saves, which Rosenthal ended up there. Um, but I still think Yates would probably be the top dog I would side with Rob on that one. Right. Another, another one that's really interesting, I think, if I had to choose, the next most interesting situation would be the Rangers. Now, Leclerc, coming back from injury, he's, he seems to be hurt a lot. Hernandez seemed like he might have been the guy last year. He was a waiver wire pickup. Um, like, I don't, then the other two guys they've listed are also, like, good. Like, you can, you, you can grab the Rodriguez and Evans, like, round mm-hmm. 48 and 50. And they might be the Init- best guys. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, they might be the two best guys. Initially, I was thinking that they were crazy not to have Hernandez there, but they're paying Leclerc to be the closer, so they're going to find out. Um, if the shoulder injury was not as serious as Kluber's, and they're, all indications say that it's not, um, they have to find out if Leclerc can do it. Uh, the other thing I found interesting was uh, Levi Weaver wrote a piece about Hernandez helping absorb some of the innings that they're going to need with not a strong starting staff. So they see Hernandez in a multi-inning role, which would depress him from saves. So that would speak to your point. So if you want to get a multi-inning reliever with strikeout upside, it's Hernandez. But if you're possibly looking for those saves that you're craving, then it could be Rodriguez or Demarcus Evans. Now Evans is another guy, high octane arm. We just don't know where it's going all the time. Again, if we see better command in spring, then, then he moves up the boards probably as the true, and, and I would probably slot Hernandez back to that multi-inning swingman role on my chart if that's truly what he's going to be. So th- there could be a lot of action and movement in that Rangers, in that Rangers bullpen as, as, you, uh, as, as you hinted at. So we're really going to be watching that one closely as it goes. But it, the key is Leclerc. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And he, and he could get traded too. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Evans is, Evans if he is, starts Evans well. is the guy. Sorry, go ahead. Although I was saying, if he starts strong, that's another team that could decide that they're going to sell high and, and it would make perfect sense. Yeah. And Evans is a guy that um, just had insane strikeout numbers in the minor leagues, but he doesn't throw that hard. Like I think he tops around 95. Um, which Actually, is- yeah, you're right. I don't know. I, I miss that. You're correct. That was a misnomer saying he's a high octane guy. I'm thinking of his, he's just like hulking. He's like, what, six, five. And he's a yeah, monster. He's a, he's a big boy for sure. Yeah. I've seen, I, I was watching some video of, of him and um, he didn't get that much run last year. He maybe threw like an inning or two or something like that. But I was really excited to have him come up. I, I had drafted him in round 50 last year um, <laughs> a lot in hopes that he was going to come up and, and uh, help out. But, but um yeah. Um, okay. Last one. I don't want to take, I don't want to, I don't want to spend hours and hours here, but let's <laughs> talk about the last team I want to ask you about is the Red Sox and that's Ottavino and Barnes. I think that's something that people right now it's, it's Barnes and then Ottavino and drafts, but you have it flipped here. Uh, I do for two reasons. Um, when I'm, when I'm reading between the tea leaves, even before they acquired Ottavino, Barn, uh, Alex Cora was talking about, you know, how he likes Barnes, um, not necessarily in the ninth inning and more of a setup role and being able to use him where he wants to. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Barnes had a great year last year, but he's another one of these guys that he kind of walks the line with his walk rate at times. So we have to kind of watch him. Um, if Adovino is healthy and bounces back, I think he's going to be very motivated to prove the Yankees wrong, especially being a Brooklyn guy. Um, he's going to be pissed. So um, the, the New York attitude might show itself in Boston a little bit where he's going to come out and prove to the Yankees that made, they made a mistake. He's been working on a few things mechanical. He was, he was working out with the Yankees the day they traded him. Oh, so that wasn't, they had to walk down awkwardly and tell him like, um, well, you need to stop throwing because we just traded you to Boston. So uh, I think that's going to resonate with him. And also he's on an expiring contract. So I'm pretty sure we know Boston's in a rebuild. So what are they going to do? They're going to build up out of Eno's value and then flip them. So what better way to build up his value than use him as the closer. So that's why I have him ahead of Barnes. I could be miss. I could be wrong, but um, I, I'm, I'm planning on that. Now, when Adovino gets traded, he's probably going to return to a setup role, but you know, if you got your eight to 10 saves out of them, you don't care. Well, look what happened with Britain last year. You, if you drafted him, you, you, you stole a bunch of saves. That was great. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, Adovina, yeah, I think people are looking at his last year's statistics and the fact that he's, like, what, 35? <laughs> a lot of these guys are older. Yeah. True. But, yeah, it's – right. Yeah, I'm, an, I'm, I'm sort of an ageist here. But <laughs> one, one, team, one team I can't be ageist for is – I know that I said Boston would be the last one, but that's, that's what we do. We sort of tease it, and then we, we bring you back in for one more, the Tigers, because I was talking to you a little bit about that, asking about Garcia and Soto – Oh yeah, and I can't, I can't let you leave without um, telling me why Nero <laughs> is the only guy that's a stash candidate. Like, well, he's the only guy. High, he's the only one highlighted in, in bright green. Talk, talk to me about that because I want to. It's it's part gut, but I also think he probably has the best strikeout stuff in that thing. Uh, you know, last year I, I was brushing my shoulders off because I had Joe Jimenez, and he started out with those four saves, and I thought I was the cat's ass, and then he just imploded. Um, Mm-hmm. I know they're talking about giving him a new, and, and here's the thing. They do have a new pitching coach and all of the pitchers are raving about him. He's, he's been going over video with the guys and zoom calls and talking about their mechanics. The young guys like Mize and Scoop ball are loving everything he's saying. And even the older guys that were skeptical about uh, analytics and other, he's kind of fusing it. He was the, he was the coach in Michigan and now he, he took over for the, the pitching coach as the, as the Tigers He's really making good inroads, so maybe he could fix Joe Jimenez if that's even humanly possible. Um, I don't, there's some Cisnero. I watched a couple of the games last year when I was trying to figure out if Garcia really had that role, and I did pick him up in the TGFBI and got like three saves out of him at the end of the year. But it's smoke and mirrors. He's a pitch to contact guy. He, he he puts people on base, and then he kind of wriggled out of it. I remember one game and ended up with bases loaded, and he escaped it. It's like uh, he's he's a whip killer. So I don't want ratio guys. If I'm taking a, a low end dart or, a, you know, whatever at that point, I'll go with the guy with the strikeout upside. So to me, it's his narrow. Now, Soto had a nice start and then he kind of faded. And if you look at his numbers, even in the winter, he he had nice strikeouts, but he still, I think, walked 11 in, in a small amount of innings. So that there's still some things he needs to refine. So to me, that's why I have him highlighted. Um, and the organization loves that Zach Hess kid. Um, more than once last year, I was reading about him working out at the affiliate site. Um, and he was a guy whose name kept coming up as a, as a reliever to watch in that system. So um, if you're in a, if like sort of dynasty, 
yeah, if you're a dynasty or keeper, uh, Zach Kess is the name you want to tuck away with the Tigers because he could be a guy that comes up in the second half, not necessarily in a save situation, but if he does well in AAA, um, he, he could be fast-tracked up there and move into a role in that bullpen eventually. So I, I'm really scared of Garcia. I don't think he can repeat what he did last year, especially when you look at the underlying numbers. Um, again, Soto, not bad. Uh, I wouldn't have to see the walk rate go down. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of led me to Cisneros. So I basically know that could be your 50th pick. And then if you get a few saves, yeah. then you're like, hmm, okay. For sure. I was actually in a draft with um, Clay Link and um, I had drafted Brian Garcia. And um, I, I, I was looking at his minor league stats actually. And the, like the K rate was really good in the minor leagues, but I know it wasn't good mm-hmm. only in a small sample size in the major leagues. And I joked with him. He's like, well, I just got both. Um, I think he got, he, t- he took Soto and then he took, I think maybe Cisnero as well. And then he's like, I just locked up the saves in, um, in Detroit. <laughs> and then in the chat I go, I go, enjoy your holds. And then, uh, because I, I had Garcia and then, uh, so then, then we started messing and we were just joking around and I started my messaging back and forth. And I said that, um, I saw like a video of, uh, an interview where I think it was a GM, yeah, Avila, uh, of the Tigers who said, um, they really like what they saw in Garcia and what he did. And he, he like had a, he had a presence on the mound and it, it's like, he had, they were talking about some of the intangibles for a closer, but they weren't committing to him. They weren't saying like, Oh yeah, we want Garcia to be the closer. They're saying mm-hmm. they like, they liked him. Um, I can send you that. I can, I can send you the link to it. Um, yeah. And, um, but yeah, I like, I don't know. It's, it's really hard. To, it's hard to know. The, the hard thing is, is that they've been a very loyal organization to a closer. Like, you know, all those, they stood by Shane Green and then, you know, they, they gave Jimenez a long leash until they finally removed him from the role. So, I mean, you know, we don't know if that's going to carry over with Hinch, but, you know, yeah, we'll have to see how all that plays out. But, yeah, it's it's always fun. Well, um, I don't want to take up too much, of your, too much more of your time. I appreciate you coming on here and talking closes and I've, and I've learned something and I actually, you actually really helped me make a pick in my draft. I probably would have forgot about crochet if you didn't mention him. So I'm, I'm really thankful for that. And I'm thankful that uh, we went through this and I think we, um, we went through this in a pretty good uh, level of detail. So um, anything else you want to touch on before um, we get off? No. Uh, well, just one of, we were talking about Boston and it was funny because one of the things I mentioned in the article that people were kind of buzzing about today on Twitter was uh, my love for Darwinson Hernandez. And oh. um, I'm glad Vlad Sedler also kind of is on that train. And uh, I know a couple other people, you know, prospect Jesus has been a big proponent of Darwinson. It's always been a matter of health. And, and, and like we've been saying a lot today, you know, just improving that command. If, if he really establishes himself this spring and, and, and does well as the season goes, um, I could see him also wriggling his way into some save opportunities in the back half of this season for the Red Sox. Um, you know, he's a lefty. Uh, he doesn't throw as hard as Chapman, but he's of the same skill set, just not quite as. Uh, doesn't have the control. Ref- not quite as refined, but the, that that's somebody, another one for the keeper dynasty or your, your 50th round walk off. If you're, if you're thinking you might, you know, walk into five, five saves or so, uh, I could see him making a push in that bullpen as the, as the Red Sox continue to rebuild. They're, they're going to want to find out what they got in that kid. Right. And I know that's a guy that I, I, I haven't got him a lot this year. I find like I'm, I'm always one year late. Like I was all over DeMarcus Evans and Darwin's and Hernandez last year. I got him <laughs> 
well, you know, they're, they're going to blow up this year. Um, happens all the time. I, I took the Oscar Hernandez everywhere in 2019, got him nowhere last year and boom, there was the breakout. So it's like, uh, it's a killer. All right. One last, I, I had this question written down. One last, one last one for you. Yeah. If you had to pick a bust candidate for um, somebody that has a closer job, that's going relatively high. Who's like, who's a guy that you just like, I don't want any of. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not touching Kenley Jansen. Um, I, I, I really want Hader to do well. Now here's the thing with Hader. He, he's never going to be a bust, but um, you know, when we draft Hader, you're drafting him because you think you're getting those multi-inning outings and that high strikeout rate that he displayed. Now they said last year that they used him in a more of a one inning role because the bullpen was deeper because of David Phelps. I heard Will Salmon of the athletics say uh, on a podcast this after this, this afternoon. And I was like, David Phelps is, is the reason why Hater made less appearances. I don't know. So if, if, if Milwaukee's entertaining training him and he's not making those, and they, they, they used him pretty hard through the last couple of years leading up to 2020, you know, that there might be a little hint of injury. We don't know. We just don't know, but the, the strikeout race weren't the same last year. So I, I like you would put Hendricks above him. That would be my top closer taken. Um, and, uh, and again, I'm also nervous about all the noise around the Mets. I still think Diaz will get the most saves in that bullpen, but the, you know, every time you hear Rojas talking, it's about, Oh, fluid, high leverage, fluid, high leverage. It's like, that's not what a Diaz person wants to hear when you're taking them in, in the top five closers. When I, when I look at my closers for these DCs, I, I look at like, one of the, one of the, one of the criteria that I assess is how many other guys are around and just what is, what's the probability of a closer losing his job. And that would be impacted by how many like other suitable candidates there are. The Mets have like everyone in their bullpen was like a closer at some point. They got like right. Kansas, um, Lugo, um, um, Familia, Trevor May, Camelia. Sorry. What did you, what did you say? Trevor May, Trevor May, Brad Brock. Like they were all closers at one point, granted, maybe not that great, but, um, they, everyone, everyone there has closing experience and some, and some of them are, are skilled pitchers. So like, yeah, I, Edwin, like I'm like for, for their price, I'm out on Edwin Diaz. I'm out on Kenley Jansen. I'm out on Hader. I agree with you. Like just for what they're part talking. of, I'm almost, I'm almost rather have Chapman than Hader. Part, part of the um, allure of Diaz was he was tied to the now deposed GM. I mean, he had to be the closer because Van Wagenen's job was, was riding on it. He's gone. So Diaz doesn't have that person in his corner saying, Hey, Diaz is my guy. So again, it, Diaz could be fine this year. It's, I mean, I, I told Bender to pick him up years ago, but before he popped on the Mariners, that was part of the reason Bender always hypes me as far as talking about closers. But, um, you know, it, where, where there's noise, there's something going on. So I, I just want to see how it all plays out. So yes, like you, I, I would take Hendricks and Chapman in those situations um, over Diaz and Hader, just, just, just out of solitude. I, I don't, I don't want to worry about Hader getting traded. I don't want to worry about Devin Williams and things of that nature. And, and again, I, I know some people are Hader ride or die. And again, when he first came up, I hyped them to the, to the mountaintops, but um, just his release point was goofy uh, last year. I don't know. Something was off. Me and you were part of the player hater club. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
that's a Chappelle reference. Um, gotcha. Yes. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, shit, I lost, I lost my train of thought because of that amazing joke that I was thinking up. Um, <laughs> um, shit. Um, but, but here's here's the other thing I just want to talk about because we, we were speaking off air about, about you know things that and, right. you know in these drafts be thinking, thinking two moves ahead. What, what am I, what am I going to do? Not just with closer, but whatever position, you know, I, I am anal when I'm doing, even if it's a, a minute time drafts, I have a spreadsheet of my own that's blank and I fill it in with everybody's picks. And, and I know this sounds bananas. Okay. But this spreadsheet shows me, I do it by position. So I've got a blank grid out in front of me. And, and the draft's going on and I'm writing in everybody's names and then I'm deciding who I, I load up the queue. So I always have guys that are my guys ready to rock and I'm writing them in. So like if I'm drafting third and the guys first and second, both have third baseman and I need a third baseman, I might wait until the way back because then I can fill it in because odds are they're not going to now they could. Okay. But you know, or, or say, you know, they both have two catchers already and I need a catcher. This is a better example. Okay. So I'm not going to take a catcher on the way by because I know they're probably not going to be taking a catcher because they both have those spots filled. I'm picking the player I want. And then when it comes back, I, I pick one of the catchers that I had in my queue and then I go merrily on my way. It sounds bananas. And again, like I said, I'm crazy anal with these sorts of things. And, and you know, you get the pressure enough with the one minute picks, but if you get yourself in tuned and all those things are happening, I, I need, I'm visual. I need that visual thing, but just, just staying two streets ahead, just have it mapped out. You know, one thing I was telling you off air was, you know, there was a couple of people I was going to make picks last year. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. That's, that's not the safe player. That's not trust your gut. Just go with it. If I had made two different picks in, in that draft, we were talking about all of a sudden I'm not seventh in my league. I might've been first or second. So you know, just, just, just go with it. If, if your gut says that I should have taken Fernando Tatis 11th last year, which I should have, and I took Max Scherzer, then here we are. That, 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 that league plays out completely different. If I make one pick different. That's excellent advice. So thanks again, Greg. All right. And, um, oh yeah. You, you are the go-to man for uh, closer, uh, closer um information and you can uh why don't you just remind everyone where you can where they find you and where they can find your closer chart and it's honestly the best well again thank you for the kind words i, I think it's uh, too high of praise but i appreciate it um i usually will pin the closer in season the closer charts are pinned right to my uh twitter so at g j e w e t t nine um and, and i usually pretty much i have those updated uh every morning by you around 10, sometimes 11 at the latest, but uh, I get up early, get that coffee going and, and I go through what happened. Um, and I try and keep those charts up to the second and the, the game updates run below. And I do start doing updates in the spring. Uh, I start noting who's playing, who's pitching that fifth inning, what the velocities are looking out, any, anything. What's nice is of the spring games is the, the announcers tell you a lot, whether it's what the manager's thinking, how a guy's being used, or, or if he's working on a new pitch, I hear so much information on those spring games in the first five innings. It's bananas. But um, so that's that. So there, there could be a, there's, there's a pending announcement about coffee and closers coming soon, but I'm not uh, at liberty to say yet. And um, again, uh, a lot of my other work can be found on fantasy alarm. A lot of it is behind the paywall, but 
um, uh, some of it is in front of it as well, like when there's a trade and things of that nature. So uh, again, thank you so much for having me on. It's great seeing you uh, making headway in this in this arena. And uh, I've seen people hyping a lot of your uh, recent drafts. So keep grinding, man. I, I love seeing the success from uh, from the from the guys that are a little younger nice. than me making that uh, like making that push, man. So I'm trying, I'm trying my I'm trying my hardest. Oh, I do remember what I was going to say now. Are you wait before before I before I say this? Are you a Yankee or Mets fan? Uh, I grew up a Yankee fan. Okay, I can I can say this then. This, 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 uh, this is you could have said it either way. Uh, yeah, I would. I would have said it anyway. So, to be honest, this is this is the last year that Edwin Diaz will be drafted before Jared Kalenic in fantasy drafts. Correct. 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 And, and I have Jared Kalenic in my in my homekeeper league. I have Jared Kalenic protected. So well, I'll take that all day, any day. But um. There is one thing when you said that about favorite team, it, it is very funny. Um, the last person I really associated myself with was Mariano Rivera. And when he retired, I shed a couple of tears. I brought my son down when he was younger, made him watch the last couple of pitches before they took him out. Um, at the more I do fantasy, the less fandom. I, I, I admire some of these guys because they're like diehard reds and, and, you know, they live and die with their teams, but I've really become a little more distant. You know what I mean? I I'll watch whatever game I'll put on the Brewers versus the Cardinals. I, if I'm, if I'm thinking more, I want to see a matchup, a pitcher, a situation. It's tough to say, but I lost a little bit of my fandom. The, the more fantasy writing I did, I don't know. Are, are you a diehard blue Jay guy? Yeah. In, in a way, but um, I'd still like, if you were to ask me, do I want to have the blue Jays win the world series or do I want to win the main event? I would take win the main event in the NFC. Like, 10 times out of 10, but um, absolutely. Yeah. If it was Yankees this year, main event, main event, it, yeah, it wouldn't even sure. be uh yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll have some good, we'll have some good games this year again from against each other. Jay, Jays and Yankees. We'll have to, we'll have to message each other back and forth and, and, and talk some shit. Absolutely. Yeah. Years. Uh, what was it? Two, two or three summers ago, I took my son to a double a game down in Binghamton. We got to watch Vlad Guerrero jr. Kayvon Biggio, Bo Bichette. And for the Mets was Pete Alonzo. Oh. Talk about us. That was like, that was like the one game I brought my son to all summer. And I was like, can you, and he got Vlad's autograph. And so now he's a big Vlad fan, but it was just, it was just hilarious. It's like, what dumb luck to go to that game. I went there just to see Guerrero jr. And then I saw four oh. future major leaguers. No, yeah. That was the year that the blue Jays had a better minor league team and a major league team. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the new Hampshire team. They came into Binghamton. It was just loaded. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, Greg. Well, um, All right. thanks again for your time and um, we'll chat later. Of course. Look forward to it. Thanks, Zach. See ya.